Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. The podcast for people who play bluegrass or anybody who might want to. In this episode, my topic is motivations motives. I want to look at what are the motivations, what are the motives of people who attend bluegrass jam sessions. Now we could talk about motives for a lot of other things and I think those would be valuable to consider. For example, I think you should consider why do you want to play the banjo in the first place or the mandolin or you know, why are you interested in this? Why do you like bluegrass? You know, there's a reason. If you like bluegrass, there are reasons, and there are reasons that you may have never considered. And now that's kind of a deep philosophical question. You know, why do I like bluegrass? That I'm going to save that for another day. We're going to talk about a more simplistic um, group of motives. Uh, and, and that is this. Why go to a bluegrass jam session? And you should think about this. It's important to think about and understand your motives. Because if you know why you want to do something, it might actually help you accomplish that thing. So I think you ought to think about this. It's good to understand your motivations. It's also good to understand the motivations of other people. Some people have a pretty good handle on their own motives, and they tend to forget the motives of other people. There's a lot of guesswork involved in that. So don't be fooled. Sometimes you think you know the motive of another person, why they're at the Bluegrass Jam session, and you could be completely wrong. But it's worth thinking about because if you understand other people's motivations and you can give them what they are seeking, then hopefully they'll reciprocate and give you what you're seeking. This, or therein, lies the making of great music and oftentimes great friendships. So consider your motives and don't forget other people's motives. And remember this about motives. You have motives, whether you know what they are or not. And they will change over time. They may be subconscious motives. So I'm saying, you know, dig down and see what your motives are for going to a bluegrass jam session. And when you show up at a jam session, there's a room full of people there. They all have different motives. Some have the same motives. Some have overlapping motives. You may have more than one motive at a time. You may have ten motives. You may think you have none, but you actually do have at least one motive, or you'd still be at home sitting on the couch watching TV, something I do not recommend for anyone. So, motives are different for everyone, and motives change over time. You know, your motive when you started out was probably completely different than 10 years later. So, just think about your motives, and 
consider the motives of others. Now, what we're going to do in this episode, or rather what I'm going to do in this episode, is I'm going to set up an imaginary jam session with a dozen people there. There may be a few more people in the room, maybe the bartender over there, or whatever. We're going to consider 12 people. I may be stereotyping some of these people, and I don't mean to insult anyone. It's just when you go to a lot of jam sessions and you see a lot of people, you begin to categorize people in these little categories. And and they don't always... Some people stay the same. I mean, there are people I've seen... I, I could not see them for 10 years and then bump into them at a jam session, and they're exactly what they were the last time I saw them. Their motives to me didn't change but some people are just changing all the time so what we're going to do is go through 12 possible motivations for going to a bluegrass jam session so here we go i'm going to describe to you now the 12 bluegrass jammers and their 12 different motives number one i call the fun seeker you probably know the type might be you you commute 40 minutes in traffic each way to work you sit there in your cubicle answering the phone sending emails at a job you hate or at least maybe you don't hate it but it's not the job of your dreams you know some people do have fun jobs but some people don't, and they are looking for a chance to get out and have a little fun. They can't wait for Thursday night for that jam session so they can forget all that, grab their instrument, jump in the car, and ride down to the wherever it's going to be and do some jamming. So you've got the fun seeker. So that's number one. Number two, I call this person the bystander. This person doesn't even play bluegrass. They might not even know what it is. Could be they're just there by pure chance. Maybe, you know, like some friend said, hey, let's go down to such and such place, and they walk in and they hear some music over in the corner. They, they didn't come there because they knew it was a jam session. Now, once they're there and they're hearing it, they might be a little curious. They might not be. They might hate it. They might love it. They don't know. But at least consider the bystander. Don't forget about them. And if they show any interest at all in what you're doing, talk to them. You know, there could be a lady sitting there passively watching the jam session. And this has actually happened to me. There's a lady sitting there about... 10 feet away from this circle and they've been picking for an hour and I just noticed this lady is just she's watching more than other people some people are looking at the TVs they're scrolling through their phone but this lady's kind of watching what's going on so you know things die down I, mean, I, I walk away from the jam and I, I just said hello turns out she's the first chair violinist for the I think it was the Atlanta Symphony. Could have been the uh, 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 could have been the Atlanta Ballet Symphony. I I don't recall, 
But anyway, this lady is a classically trained violinist of high caliber. And she was just there watching the fiddle player. And maybe a little curious. That might be you. You know, sometimes when you first start out and you're scared to death to bring your instrument into the jam, you just want to go and kind of get a sense of what's going on. You know, That's okay. There are people just like you out there. Maybe you are a freshly minted mandolin player, got it, got your mandolin last Christmas, and uh, you've been trying to learn a few things, and wouldn't you like it if you were sitting there six feet away from the jam, just kind of watching what's going on with your instrument in the car? Wouldn't you like it if, you know, a couple of those people, those better musicians... At least came up and said hi and introduced themselves. And then you found out, you know, that you played the mandolin. And, you know, just remember that if you're one of those people sitting on the fringes, if you're a bystander, it's good for the musicians to notice you. That's what I'm saying. You you need to make a connection between the outer circle of bystanders and the inner circle of pickers. Some people don't do that. Some people are just into their own thing and they just ignore those people. In fact, sometimes they're annoyed by those people because they're talking and they're not paying attention and so on. So whichever side of that line you're on, whether you're outside as a bystander looking in or a musician looking out, just notice each other and just be aware that the bystander is definitely part of the jam session scene. Okay, number three, and I really need to get rolling on these because I don't want to go over 30 minutes. Number three is what I call the socializer. And sometimes, sometimes I've been this. I Probably a lot of times at a jam session. But sometimes jammers show up just to see their friends. Could be musician friends. And just hang out and talk. And the picking, the actual music going on, may be secondary. And it could be secondary for a few reasons. Maybe they've been playing a long time. They've been in a band. They, you know, they're, maybe they just think that this jam session is not going to be musically that much fun for them. But they still like these people. And they want to go hang out and, you know, talk to their friends and so on. I admit I've been guilty of that a few times. I'm not really guilty of it. I mean, I sometimes I have showed up for a jam that I really didn't care if I even got my instrument out, but I just came there to see people. And that's okay, because you've got to keep these social connections going if you ever want to progress. I'm not even talking about professionally or as a career. I'm just talking about, you know, having people call you up and say, hey, we're picking tomorrow night, you know, they're not going to do that if you don't socialize with them and try to remain friendly on, on some kind of level. But anyway, the socializer. There are people who came that their intent is mostly, mostly to socialize. And the only advice I would give for you if you are the so- socializer is that if, if that's why you're there, just bear in mind there are other people there who want to play. 
They want to play, 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 and they don't want to stand there and listen to you tell your 25-minute story about uh, the new trailer hitch you just put on your car or something. So if you're a socializer, don't plop yourself down in the heart of the jam and take over and tell jokes and stories and just shoot the breeze of people because there are other people there who would rather be playing. So if you're the socializer, do a little of that and then maybe take it over to the bar. Or take it outside and, you know, do your long uh, socializing, you know, somewhere a little farther away from the circle. Okay, here's uh, jammer number four. I call this one the guilty. Sometimes people show up at a bluegrass jam session and they're, they show up out of a sense of guilt. Maybe, you know, people have been asking them, hey, how come you never show up at the jam anymore? Or maybe their teacher has been saying, hey, you know, you ought to get your mandolin to come down to the jam. It'd be really good, you know. And all that prodding eventually gets them off the couch and they show up. So maybe they're just there out of a sense of guilt. I've been the guilty one a few times. But but I've noticed when I show up out of a sense of guilt, or maybe you could say a sense of obligation, Um, that I tend to change from the guilty to the socializer after about 10 or 15 minutes. As soon as I see a few people I know, I switch to socializer. Anyway, so let's move on to number five, the practicer. And and teachers will tell students, hey, you should go to a jam, you know, get you some good practice, play in your chords. You get to try that version of Cripple Creek you've been working on, you know. Uh, but there are folks who show up at jams who that's their primary motive is they want to test drive the things they've been practicing and they want to do it with some other musicians and see how it goes, you know, and that's good. That's a valid reason to attend a jam session. But just remember, it's not the only reason and it's probably not the reason of the other people who are there. So you always got to try to get a little bit of what you want and give what they want to. So don't let your desire to practice your own, your own stuff drag down the rest of the jam. And uh, if you notice a practicer who's obviously come there just to try a few of the things, and, and they may be really good musicians, and they're working on really difficult things, and they, they want to give it a dry run, with, you know, at least notice what they're doing and try to do it, you know. But if you're a practicer, let's say I've run into a couple of people like this, and I try never to do this. Let's say, okay, I'll just describe this person. You go to the jam session, he's there every time, and he's playing his instrument, and they start a song, and he plays it. He plays his break, and then the break switches to the banjo player and he continues playing his break. Maybe a little quieter, but he just keeps playing his song. Then it goes to the next one. He's still playing it. It goes to the next one. He only has one mode of operation and that's play the tune. He doesn't know anything about backup or he doesn't care or maybe he just wants to practice his tune 14 times. I, I don't know. These people can be a real drag, so don't be one of those. Practice at home, play at jam sessions. So play your break and hand it off and sit there and be quiet or 
you know, contribute musically. That you know, nobody came there to hear you practice. Is all I'm saying. Okay, number six, the promoter. Some people show up at bluegrass jam sessions. They're not really inter- interested too much in socializing, and they're not there to practice. They're not feeling guilty about being asked to come. They didn't really come to play at all. They're promoters, and they've got something they're promoting. And they're a good thing. Thank God for promoters. If there were no promoters, maybe trying to make a buck some way or another off of bluegrass, and, you know, good luck to that. Yeah, but you've got to appreciate these people. They're the ones who put on festivals. They're the ones who start up jam sessions. They're the ones who uh, teach lessons. You know, there's a variety of things that a person can promote. And if they're friendly folks, they're good folks to know. So just be aware of the promoter. Sometimes it's a musician who's also promoting something, you know. Maybe they got a stack of festival flyers they showed up. This is how the wheels of bluegrass stay in motion is, you know, promoters go to other things that are going on and help promote their things. And it's just look at it as a source of information for you. And, uh, you know, I encourage you to always support, at least to some degree, anybody stupid enough to try to make a little money with bluegrass shows or bluegrass festivals or lessons or whatever. Show them your support. So be nice to the promoters. Who knows, one day they might be promoting you. All right, number seven, I call this this person who shows up at a jam session, I call them the matchmaker. Some people show up at jam sessions and they're trolling for future band members. Or maybe not at that level. They might be just looking for picking partners, picking buddies, somebody to play with. So sometimes people show up and, and a lot of times this will be the new face that you've, not the person that's there all the time, because they already know who's coming to that jam. It'll be like the guy who goes out of his way to drive 40 miles to show up at a jam he's never been to, and he's looking for a mandolin player, or maybe a bass player, or he's just, or he's not looking for anybody, he's just maybe hoping to find someone. And sometimes this happens by design, like a guy might go, God, I need a banjo player. And he, he's going to go to every bluegrass function everywhere for the next six weeks. Just he's eyeballing the banjo players, you know, and he might grab a phone number or something. So matchmaking takes place at jam sessions. People keep a little mental Rolodex of the other musicians that they encounter over many, many years. Um, and that Rolodex, especially when accompanied by an email address or a phone number, is how a lot of bands get put together. So if you're looking for someone for a possible musical role in your life, a bandmate, maybe you're looking for a teacher, maybe you're a teacher looking for students, or maybe, you know, maybe you're just looking for somebody to bum around with and go to jam sessions and festivals with. Jam sessions, whether they're standalone jam sessions or whether they're jams taking place at festivals. This stuff happens all the time. So be aware of matchmakers. Maybe you'll find your match. Uh, let's talk about number eight. 
Eight could be considered negative or positive. I, they're one of these types that has a little of both, depends on how you take them. And I call them the egomaniac. And you see them. And some of them, some of them, not all of them, some of them are really great musicians and some of them are really nice folks too. But these people, these egomaniacs, they want to be on stage. And some professionals or just people who perform a lot, they only have one way. And it's they're, it's like they're switched on at all times. If they have their instrument out, they're on. And sometimes they just behave as if, as if they're on stage, even though they're not. And they can be a lot of fun to hang around. But if you get a couple of these egomaniacs, or just one, in a jam session, it tends to turn into a show. Anyway, they're fun to hang around, but don't expect them to slow down and try that song you wrote last night that has 17 chords in it. And, you know, just enjoy their presence, um, I, I guess. I could, I'll save this for another episode. I'll tell you about a, a jam session sometime in the future where this thing was just completely taken over. Start out a nice little simple jam. And it was taken over by three egomaniacal banjo players. And I say that in the positive sense. I don't mean they were bad people. But these were, it was quite an experience. I'm going to save that up for another episode. Remind me, send me an email and remind me to tell that story. Three egomaniacal banjo players in one room. Uh, so just be aware there are egomaniacs and they're, they're kind of interesting to be around. You might be one of them. Although I kind of doubt it because egomaniacs don't tend to listen to podcasts and stuff. That's just my guess. So they're the type A's. So let's move on from the egomaniac. Uh, you want to stay friends with them, by the way. Number nine is kind of the opposite of the egomaniac, the introvert. Could be various reasons for being an introvert. Maybe they're just overcome with fear. You know, who knows? Maybe they just have something bothering them. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe the IRS just sent them a registered letter. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe, you know, their father is sick in the hospital or, you know, who knows? So just because somebody's being mighty quiet, you know, cut them a little slack. Maybe they just don't feel well. Just be kind and be friendly and don't be too nosy. And sometimes people are just the quiet type and they're always like that. But, you know, catch them away from the picking circle and introduce yourself. You know, who knows? That quiet person might turn out to be, you know, a lifelong friend. You just never know. So hard to read an introvert. And some folks are just shy. Uh, now, let's move on to number 10. And this one, also like egomaniac, you may think is a negative. But I, I don't mean it to be a negative. It's just a fact. Number 10 is the controller. Some people create jam sessions to suit their own purposes only. And that's okay. You know, you want to start a jam? 
to do whatever, do it. You know, I want you to do what you want to do. But just be aware that you might show up at a jam. It could have been going on for many years. And there might be somebody there who's sort of the controller of that thing. And he's got a plan. He wants it to go according to the plan. His plan, you know. If Let's say somebody started a jam. Or maybe they host it at their house or at their business. There's not much you can do to change the direction of that jam. And I don't think you should. You shouldn't even try. Uh, you know, maybe the dude just wants to play Grateful Dead tunes all night. You know, and he discovered that banjo players or bluegrass musicians are good pickers. And, you know, they'll show up and let him do his thing all night. You know, there ain't much you're going to do to change that. Maybe that's what you want to do, and that would be the perfect jam for you. But just bear in mind that, you know, whoever organized this jam session or is kind of like ultimately in control of it, they got some motives, and they may be flexible, and they may may not be. So if you show up at a jam, and it tends to be, you know, operated by the controller, just drop your own motives, have a little fun. And, you know, if you have fun, come back. And if you don't, just move on. Now, when controllers are negative, in my mind, is when they show up at somebody else's jam and try to take over and mold it into the little thing that they like doing. Some people really only like doing one thing, you know. Some people are rather narrow in their focus because they, they want to have they're the experience that they really enjoy and everywhere they go they try to make that happen and you know it just doesn't happen a lot of times so i think when controllers show up and try to mold other people's jam situations to suit them that can be a problem but we all do it to a little degree i mean every individual to a degree is a controller you, you might only try to be the controller for a song or two though is what i'm saying and don't ever try to force like a mass takeover of a, somebody's jam session, especially if it's long established, you know, they've been doing this. Forget the idea that you're going to come in there and turn it into something different. It's probably not going to happen. Okay. So we're down to number 11 and this person you see at a lot of jam sessions. I call them the clueless clueless. It doesn't mean they're bad people. You know, it just means they don't really know what the deal is, you know, and it, everybody's that way to start. Go, go back and listen to see the elephant uh, episode 12. I was pretty clueless. I'm still clueless about a lot of things. That's what makes it fun. It, if you knew everything, you know, what fun would that be? But you're going to have people show up at a bluegrass jam session and walk in and uh, set up their little iPad on a stand and get out of this gig bag a dulcimer. And you, you just don't roll your eyes at them, you know. They don't know that dulcimer is not really a bluegrass instrument, you know. So cut them a little slack. Give them a chance. Let them play, you know. And if you find out, if you're, you know, if you find out that Maybe they drove 40 miles to play their dulcimer and they think it's totally cool and acceptable. You know, maybe do the other jammers a favor. 
grab your guitar, wait a little while, don't do it too soon, but if you notice them start to put it up, say, hey, let's go over on the other side, I'd really like to hear you play that thing, you know, and, and sit there and play some of their stuff, give them a chance, don't be a snob, you either are clueless now, or are certainly clueless about something in the world, <laughs> everybody's clueless about probably a lot of things, so Take pity on the clueless and don't be a snob. If some guy shows up with a blue guitar with a cutaway and he doesn't have a capo and he's never played a bluegrass song, you know, that's going to be your real test as a human being. Are you just going to ignore this guy and give him the evil eye? I've seen plenty of people do that at jam sessions. Just turn their back to people like that. On the other hand, you don't want to encourage them too much or pretty soon the the jam is just a mess and, and you know, you're not playing bluegrass anymore. So, you know, it's a fine line. you got to walk with the clueless. And just always bear in mind that if you're not clueless now, you once were. So, uh, you know, have a little sympathy for the clueless and try to clue them in. All right, then the last, um, the last category of types that you'll see show up at uh, jam sessions. And before I talk about number 12, I know that 12 is not the full list. And I've sat here for the last hour or two writing these down, but I know I didn't think of all of them. So I would ask you, and do this pretty quickly because... Six months go by, I may not even remember doing this episode. So, you know, if you're just listening to this and you, if you think of some other uh, stereotype jam, bluegrass jam session attendees, send me an email. Go to my site, bradleylaird.com, hit the contact button at the top and send me an email. And uh, tell me some more. I'll, I'll add them to the show notes page. And by the way, if you go to grasstalkradio.com, you're going to see a list of all of the episodes. And if you click on this episode, which is episode 13, that's the show notes page. So if anybody sends in some additional ones, I'm going to list them there. And I'm sure there are others that I have forgotten. Okay, having said that now, let me go to the last one that I thought of that sometimes shows up at a jam session, and that's the band. Sometimes a band shows up at a jam session. Or it might be most of a band. It could be like three out of four, or four out of five of them. Or it could just be two out of whatever, but they're, they're walking in with, hey, we're a band. And sometimes bands tend to dominate a jam session. Because they got their fancy arrangements, they play in keys you don't know, and they're playing a bunch of tunes you don't know. And, you know, if you're in a band, it's okay to do a little bit of that showboating. To, you know, stroll up to a jam session and run through a, a tune or two. But, at least, play tunes that most of the folks know. And please, since you're... you're wedging yourself into somebody else's jam, at least make sure that everybody who wants a solo on your fancy arrangement gets a chance to play. Because I've seen bands 
walk up and pretty soon the crowd's like saying, Hey, hey uh, y'all play that thing you do. And they just play their exact arrangement that they do on stage. And it's got a mandolin break split with a fiddle break. And, and pretty soon the song's over. And there's a mandolin player sitting over there who did not even get a break. They never even looked at him. The dobro player, they skipped. The banjo player, they skipped. You know, if you're a band and you walk up to a jam session, please be considerate of the other players and expand your arrangements to try to include everybody who might want to play. Now, another thing that happens when bands or parts of bands interject themselves into jam sessions is sometimes the whole character of the jam changes and it's not due to the other musicians who are sitting around in a circle it's the bystanders because let's say and this is this is a i won't mention the band name but i was at a festival one time big old jam session going on been going on almost a continuous jam session for about four hours well one of the bands playing at the festival finished their set and about 45 minutes later showed up down there at our campsite and three or four of them drifted in. Well, the bystanders noticed them and wanted them to play and they had their instruments and pretty soon they were playing and pretty soon it was as if you were down at the stage. They just absolutely took over. But they were being encouraged to do it by the bystanders. And then there got to be more bystanders and more bystanders. And one by one, I saw the original group of pickers get up and just basically become bystanders. It was just they completely took over the jam. And, you know, sometimes that's fun, especially if the jam session was kind of burning out at that point. Sometimes people are okay with that. But sometimes that band will hurt people's feelings because they, they come in and maybe maybe there's a, a like a guy playing the dobro there and up walks the world's greatest dobro player. And they start playing their arrangements and don't even make eye contact with that guy. He's probably going to walk away, put his dobro in the case, and he's going to mutter some really nasty things about that band. So if you're in a band and you're trying to promote yourself, that's not a good way to make friends be a lot better to come there and be a, you know be humble maybe do a tune or two of your thing and then try to do what the other people are doing and help the other people so anyway bands if you need a gig don't steal somebody's jam session just for self promotion or for you know satisfying your ego but on the other hand if you're a band don't hide in your bus or Hurry back to the motel room, you know, come out and pick with the little people. I think that's a good thing to promote yourself. So anyway, that's it. That's my 12. And if you, as I said before, if you have any additional uh, stereotypical bluegrass jam session types, send them to me because obviously I'm a student of this kind of thing and I'd like to know what I missed. And lastly, I'll do a little shameless self-promotion, uh, please visit my website, bradleylaird.com. There's tons of free stuff on there. And if you like the podcast and you like the free stuff, maybe occasionally hop over and purchase one of my products. I'm sure there's something there that would be useful to you. In particular, since we're talking about jam sessions, I've got a real bargain called the Jam Session Survival eBook that has saved many a hide 
at a bluegrass jam session because it contains the chord progressions for the 100 most commonly played bluegrass tunes. And if you don't need it, buy it for the guy who does because there's somebody there playing wrong chords and that's no fun for anybody. So buy the jam session survival ebook. It's only five bucks and join my campaign to end the playing of wrong chords. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you in the next episode.